Kings. We're continuing in our series uh, aimed at us men, uh, and uh, today we're going to be looking at the sportsman. We've looked at God can use a wild man. He can use our past and show through our transformation in Christ his power. Uh, he can use a gentleman. He can use our gentleness, our ability to be loving and, and, uh, and gentle towards others, to lead people to uh, our Savior. And today we're going to be looking at this idea of a sportsman. Um, how many of you like to work out? Oh, Aiden, Aiden. Well, then Aiden, you need to come up here. M Michael Taylor, you like to work out too, don't you? You need to come up here too. Come on, guys. Come on, Aiden. I'm serious. No, 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 no. Wrong one. No, I, I, I got. I, they're coming. They're coming. Although this might be interesting. No, no. Never mind. <laughs> Appreciate that. Come on up, guys. Now, now, when, when you're working out, what's the most important body, part of the body to work out on? Okay, I mean, what's the, the most important part? If, if this is weak, the rest of the body's not going to work right. Your core, okay? Your core. How do you work out the core? Oh, sit-ups. Okay. Oh, down you go. Come on. Come on, let's see this. Let's see this, guys. Come on, sit down. That's it. Now, I'll, put, I'll, put, I'll put my, my feet on yours, too. So that, that'll keep it. I'm heavy enough. Okay, let's see how many you can do. Go. just doesn't go right. Um, in, in 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, verses 24 through 27, Paul makes a connection between our spiritual disciplines and our physical discipline. And, and that, I believe, is one of the reasons why Paul uses the sports of his day to, as metaphors for the spiritual journey that we're all on. Uh, you know, he uses the, these, the sports like uh, running. Uh, by the way, that's the core we need to be working on. Uh, he uses sports like running, like boxing, uh, so that, uh, and, and the vision of the Olympic race where they would get the victor's crown, that laurel wreath crown. Uh, but he uses those to say that I'm going to work hard spiritually so that I am not disqualified from the prize. There is a relationship, men, between our spiritual, our ethical, and our physical well-being. Now, in today's lesson, I want to follow the metaphor. That fell down, didn't it? I want to follow the metaphor of sports in two ways. First, I want to use it as an illustration of the importance of spiritual disciplines uh, to our spiritual health. We need to exercise our spirit. And secondly, I want to talk about how good sportsmanship or good attitudes help us be better players on God's team. You know, it's interesting, when you have the right attitude, it's not hard to get people to step up and do things, is it? You know, people, you can tell when they have the right attitude. 
Uh, Gary, uh, you know, mentioned uh, that they're going to have those extra suitcases. Well, what he didn't mention is that uh, Gary and Kate, younger Gary, um, they are providing the children's clothing that are going to go in those extra suitcases. Why did they do that? Because they're excited. They're willing to be a part of these things. Erin, uh, you know, Erin's a, a dentist. What does she do? Well, she's providing a lot of the toothbrushes and dental health things that they're going to be handing out down there. Why? Because God has blessed her that way, and she's going to use it that way. When you are, um, you know, exercising your spiritual gifts, when you, are, when you are strong in the Lord, it's so much easier to do the things. When you have that right attitude, uh, you don't step back and say, well, if I have to. You step forward and say, here am I, send me, as the prophets of old would say. In a talk at a recent conference, Christine Kane, who leads a ministry to free slaves and women who are uh, entrapped in the sex trade, she talked about our spiritual core. Our spiritual core doing. And she used as her text Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. Let, let's read that. Teacher, Oh, excuse me, uh, teacher, the question is asked him, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he replies, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Crane noted that we do not love our neighbor, or we do love our neighbor, excuse me, but unfortunately, we love them as we love ourselves. We love them with a broken heart. We love them with a wounded soul. We love them with a tormented mind. If you love God with a broken heart, a wounded soul, and a tormented mind, then that is how you will love your neighbor. The heart men and women. The heart uh, is what we need to be working on. The heart is the core of our spiritual core. Our walk with God hangs on this core. One of the reasons we are weak often is because we have not allowed God to transform us and give us a new heart, a new core. And God has already done that. Did you know that? When we were baptized into Christ, we died to ourselves and we were raised again in who? In Jesus Christ. He became our life. In a sense, we were given a heart transplant. His heart transplanted into ours. But unfortunately, just as in physical transplants, sometimes we reject that transplant and we struggle with it. And we struggle with allowing God to truly transform us. Jesus became our life. And with his life, we were given, I like this, we were given a <clears throat> spiritual six-pack, guys, right? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I knew we'd get a good laugh out there. Yeah, a spiritual six-pack. What are those? Well, there are spiritual gifts, aren't they? There are spiritual gifts. But we've been given that gift, but then we have to do something with it. We have to develop it. You know, looking at the times we live in and, and looking at what God's word tell us is still to come. 
reinforces how vital, man, it is for the body of Christ, for us to be working on our spiritual six-pack. To, as Paul says, work out our salvation in fear and trembling. Why? So that we can build a strong core to the strength uh, to strengthen the work of the Lord and to bring glory to God. Tim Irwin uh, points out in his 2014 book, Impact, that athletes and leaders both need a strong core. Let me read uh, an excerpt from his book. In working with thousands of leaders over many years, I have observed that they rarely fail because of lack of competence. Clearly, competence is necessary, but it is not sufficient to be a great leader. We must also have a strong core. The word core has become a major idea in the physical uh, development of athletes and others interested in fitness. Core includes all the muscles of the midsection. The core muscles stabilize the entire body and are prime contributors to the strength and coordinated movement. Athletes in just about every sport focus on their core muscles because it has proven to make them so much better in whatever sport they're playing. When our core is intact and congruent, others experience us, spiritually speaking, as authentic, as humble, and as trustworthy. When our core is compromised or conflicted, others experience us as arrogant, self-serving, and insecure. No matter how artful their style or competent their actions, every failed leader, he writes, I have studied, had a malfunctioning core. It had been broken in some significant way. Loving God, all of our heart, soul, and as Mark adds in his parallel account in Mark chapter 12, our strength, in conjunction with loving our neighbors as ourself, is our spiritual core. Those are the things we need to be working on. We've already noted that God, through Christ, justified or saved us. We don't have to sweat about that. We have to accept that and live in it. He has given us that heart transplant, but it's up to us to strengthen our spiritual six-pack, to strengthen our spiritual core, our heart. How do we do this? Is there an exercise manual that we can go to? Well, yes, there is. What's it called? Thank you. It's called the Bible. That's the place we can go to, and we can learn what it is that we need to do. And it's filled with instructions, filled with them. And we read those instructions, right, men? Oh, wait a minute. I forgot. What's the man's motto? If all else fails, read instructions. Yeah, okay. You know, man, we need to be reading those instructions. We need to really dwell on them because it's really serious. If we are going to make it to our heavenly reward, if we're going to serve the Lord faithfully in this life, we have to keep our core strong. And the way we do that is following the instructions that God has given us. And by the way, man, if we're honest with ourselves, I think every one of us will admit that we have failed in some way. And we need those instructions. In the letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, Paul gives us some instruction there. He writes, 
Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Wow, that's great, isn't it? All we have to do is think about them, and that's it. Isn't that right? That's not right? Oh, no, you know, you're right. It's not right. Because if we read on, we discover whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I don't know if Paul put that emphasis on there. Put it into practice. But you know, that's what we've got to do. How do you get to the point where you can do 100 sit-ups without breaking a sweat? You do them over and over and over, you know, you got the idea. Well, how do we get a strong spiritual core? We do the spiritual disciplines over and over and over again. And then after we've done those spiritual disciplines over and over again, then we go to that next step in the exercise. And that is loving your neighbor as yourself. Now, in, in weight training... Weight training is called what kind of training? Resistance, right? Because your muscles have to work against something. You know, walking really isn't much of a resistance exercise. Running really isn't much of a resistance exercise. But, you know, lifting weights, uh, that, that's, a, that's a resistance exercise. And sometimes, um, when you're trying to love your neighbor as yourself, it can be painful. Let's just be honest. It's not always easy. But if we are to experience the gain that we wish to have spiritually in Christ, then men, we have to also experience the pain. We know that in physical exercise. That's why so many of us avoid it. <laughs> but, you know, we, we really have to work on it. So men, each of us needs to be dedicated to exercising our spiritual six-pack. And we do this by consistent attendance and worship. We do this by earnest prayer and meditation. We do this through diligent study of the word. And then finally, we do this by practicing, by serving, by loving our neighbor as ourself. Each of us must continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. God has given us a gift. Let's not waste that by neglecting to develop it. But we also need to remember that God has not put it all on our shoulders. He is with us, working in us to fulfill his good purpose. You know, it's easy in sports especially to focus on the individual, even in team sports. You know, you talk about uh, the Cavaliers. Who do you talk about most often? It's LeBron James, right? You know, he's the star. Uh, what would LeBron be without the rest of his team to back him up? Exactly, nothing. Um, you know, sports are important, and it, but we can get so focused on the, on the individual. You know, this is especially uh, true in golf. You know, uh, I have to admit that my days of playing some of those more physical sports uh, are probably over now, uh, but golf is one I can still do. It's more my speed. I'm not very good at it, 
but the guys in the church league humor me anyway and let me substitute when they need somebody to play, and I appreciate that. Charlie makes me look really bad, but that's okay. I love him anyway. <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, but when I, when I play golf, you know, that gives me, you know, an excuse to watch it on TV, and, and I can get good naps when I'm watching it. No, excuse me. I can really enjoy the, the, the skill of the pros. But it's fundamentally an individual sport, unless... Unless you're playing a scramble tournament. Then, well, then that has some application to our Christian life. How many of you men have played in a scramble tournament? I think quite a few that play golf have. Uh, last year at our church camping trip uh, in Fort Huron, we did a scramble tournament. Andrew and his dad, Randy, who's here with, today with us, um, and I played against Jim Sabo, David Kelly, and a uh, brother from the Bristol Road Church of Christ, Tony McKee. Now, I can't say that any part of my game is what I would call good. But you know what? On that day, on that day, I was sinking 20-foot putts like Jordan Spieth. I mean, it was incredible. <laughs> you know, I was saying, who is this? This isn't me. Uh, but, you know, Andrew and Randy, now, I, I combined on them. I, I depended on them for the drives. Because mine didn't go very far, but theirs went, they just sailed, you know. But together, we became a team. And we won, yeah. <laughs> Not by much, but we won. <laughs> you know, sports can teach us some great lessons. But if we aren't careful, we can forget our goal. Winning can become everything. Forgetting that good sportsmanship, a right attitude, is equally important. I think we can all agree that there are some fundamental problems with sports in our culture today. So we need to be careful to sift out the wheat from the chaff. The win-at-all-cost attitude, I think, has spoiled sports for many children as well as adults. Wrong attitudes about what it means to be a Christian man can also hurt the church and our witness for Christ. Brothers, we need to understand the true meaning of good sportsmanship, spiritually speaking, because it really helps us understand how to live our spiritual life. Another thing that will help us is to know what sport we're playing. Too often in our Christian lives, we think we're playing golf when, in fact, we're playing hockey. Two very different sports. One is an individual sport, mostly. The other is very much a team sport. It has to be played together. Brothers and sisters, we are playing as part of a team. Even when we might be dealing with difficult folks in the church, we have to keep the right sportsmanship type of attitude so that we can work together and see the team grow. We see this in the Apostle Paul, this attitude of good sportsmanship um, about the church. In Philippians, he is in jail. He's writing this letter from jail. And we know that some of the men were taking advantage of his absence and coming in and preaching Christ to kind of get the spotlight themselves. But he takes it like a sport, like a good sport. He writes that some preach Christ out of selfish ambition, some not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? And the, import, the most important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Paul is not endorsing their behavior but he is humble enough to know that it is the power of God that is at work. 
And if Christ is preached, then the reason, there's reason to celebrate. Playing a team sport like a bunch of individuals doesn't work. One of the most boring games that I have ever watched on TV is the NFL Pro Bowl. It's just boring. Uh, you know, why is it so boring? Well, they all have the same jersey on, don't they? You know, in the Pro Bowl, they have the two different leagues, and they're voted in. And, uh, you know, they, they, they wear that same jersey, but what kind of helmet does each player wear? Exactly, they're individual team helmets. And when they're out there playing, they're not playing for the squad they're on the field with. They're playing for the team that pays their paycheck. And they're going, you know what? I'm not going to ruin my multi-million dollar contract and, and play real hard out here. I'm just going to take it easy. I'm going to just slow down. We've got to come at our Christian life not with the attitude of NFL all-stars, but with the attitude of people who really are on the same team, who really are working hard. Uh, we need to play hard, but with a good attitude so that we can glorify God and help him in his work. We can't say, you know, oh, I've got the jersey Jesus on, so I'm good, when on our head is the helmet of pride or the helmet of prestige or the helmet of power uh, individually. Uh, we we got to get rid of those individual helmets and put the team helmet on along with the team jersey so that together we can truly uh, help the Lord in this work that we're doing. The real game is the game that we're about. You know, the pro bowlers often don't play hard in that game because that's not the real game, right? The regular season's the real game. That's just kind of extra. We're playing the real game, folks. The real thing. Sometimes, though, I don't know that we really believe that. And we come to church and we think, well, this is one part of my life. But, you know, the real part of my life is out there when I go to work on Monday morning. The real part of my life is when I'm dealing with at home. And we forget that this is real. I was just reading this morning during the Lord's Supper from the book of Hebrews. In the section there, it's chapter 6, 7, 8, where it talks about that you know, Jesus serves in the real sanctuary in heaven. The sanctuary, the temple on earth at that time, that was just a copy. Okay, what goes on out there in life? Yeah, it's real, but it's not the real work. The real work we do as Christian men is the work we do for the Lord. So when we come together with the church, the reason it's so important is because this is, this is the real work. Uh, and the reason we should be staying in contact with each other and supporting one another through the week is because this, the work we do for the Lord, is the real work. We do it through our jobs. We do it through our family. We do it through our other relationships that are out there. But this is the real game. And if we don't stick together, what's the devil going to do? He's going to tear us apart. He's going to tear us apart. Now, is this going to be easy? No. If we're going to take seriously this spiritual walk, it's going to involve discipline. It's going to involve exercise. It's going to involve pain. When you put yourself into training, it's going to hurt. But you can also count on the fact that it's going to bring blessings to you. Not only will it bring blessings to you, not only will it bring blessings to your family, to the church, but it will bring blessing to the neighbor that you bless when you share the love of God with them by loving them. 
The Lord gives us the word of encouragement, men, to persevere. In Revelation, the second chapter, verse 10, there he writes, Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Remember Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, to run like you're going to win the crown. We do that by being faithful even to death. We do that by personally developing our spiritual core and then exercising it as we love our neighbor as, we, as ourselves. We do this when we have the right attitude and understand that we are in a team sport and that only together, working together, will we bring glory to the God bring glory to God in our lives. The Lord is calling us, men and women, to be on His team, to follow Him, to serve Him by serving others. The call is there. And the question I have for us this morning, the question that is always there for us, is will you answer the call? Will you enter into training? Will you follow Him all the way? We're about to sing a song. We call it our song of invitation. It's also a song of affirmation. But if you are here today and you are struggling in your Christian walk, if you need the prayers of the church, please come. Let us pray with you. If this is not the time you feel comfortable doing that, look one of the elders up, myself up, Zach up, and we'd be more than happy to pray with you and encourage you as you struggle, as we struggle together with you in this life. If you're here today and you're not yet a child of God, if you're not yet a, uh, a member of his body, uh, we want to encourage you to take that opportunity today. By faith, believe that he is the Son of God. Uh, confess that before others, and then be buried with him in the waters of baptism, raised again to newness of life, life blessed in his Son. Whatever your need today, won't you come to him while we stand and while we sing?